Good morning, everybody. Well, I wonder, as we start, if you can think of any particular time when you've, in your life, felt particularly confused or disoriented, or perhaps a time when you found yourself suddenly not knowing where you are, or something completely unexpected has happened all of a sudden, and you don't know what to do. Now, my experience is I often find myself a bit confused on the first night uh, when I'm sleeping in an unfamiliar place. You might have had this experience. So uh, when I go on holiday, for instance, um, I wake up in the middle of the night. It's dark. I'm in a strange bed. I don't know where I am. It's time to freak out. Um, And on several occasions, this has led to me trying to punch holes in the walls of tents when I've been out uh, camping and woken up in the middle of the night. Where am I? Um, it's a very strange feeling, not to understand what's happening, to not to know where we are, and until we figure it out, it can be quite a distressing experience, can it? Uh, so today is Easter Sunday, of course, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, and it's arguably, as we've been emphasising, the most happy day in the Christian calendar. Uh, but when we read, as we just have, about the very first Easter Sunday, we can see that actually that the first emotions that anyone actually felt about the resurrection of Jesus we're not very joyful, happy emotions. We heard in our reading that Jesus' friends were alarmed, trembling, they were bewildered, and they were afraid. They didn't know what was happening. They were like people, you know, lashing around in the dark in an unfamiliar place on this Easter morning. And the friends and disciples of Jesus were completely taken off guard when they came and they found the empty tomb where they expected Jesus' body to be. So, you know, why were they so confused by this experience? Well, I think it's because they actually thought they knew what was going to happen when they went to the tomb. It was going to be, in their mind, what always happens when someone dies, the thing that they've been through many times before, what's always happened since the beginning of time. So they knew what they were going to do and what they were supposed to feel. And so the plan that Jesus' friends had was to go through the usual grieving process for their master. So we can read they brought um, uh, fragrances to prepare Jesus' body for burial. And they were going to eventually place the body in its final resting place. Then I imagine they would have the normal period of grief with each other. They would spend time comforting each other and then move on with life and see what was going to happen next. That's all good stuff to do, isn't it, in that sort of situation. That's what we would do if we were Jesus' friends. You know, when we come to prepare people who come to our church looking for the funeral of a family member, I emphasise this kind of process and how important it is. You go through the process, you make your arrangements, you say an appropriate farewell to the person that you love, let yourself grieve, and gradually move on to the next stage. It's hard to do, but it's what we expect to do. And that's what Mary Magdalene, Salome, and Mary, the mother of James, that's what they've come to start doing by coming early on that morning on the first day of the week. And the biggest concern, really, in their mind is, well, how are we going to get this stone? and roll it away from the edge of the tomb because it's so big. But in the middle of that, everything changes. So they're hit by this series of events that send them completely off track. You know, well, for what? Well, they, firstly, they don't have to worry about the stone because it's already been rolled away from the tomb, so that's okay. But unfortunately, there's a lot more uh, different than they expected. Jesus' body, firstly, isn't inside. And what is inside is what looks like a young man dressed in a white robe in shining. <laughs> he has a surprising message for him from them. Um, now, what we know, sorry, I do enjoy that picture. Uh, from what we know from the other Gospels and reading between the lines, this young man that they've seen is actually meant to be an angel. Now, when you see angels in the Bible, they often are like this, bright, shining, you know, golden people, you know, projecting their presence. 
Um, but Mark actually kind of underplays this vision of an angel a little, which I appreciate. You know, I think this guy is the most low-key angel in the whole Bible, in the story we read. You know, it sounds like his mission was just want to be as chilled out as possible so that the disciples don't focus on him and still be interested in what happened to Jesus. Um, because he has a very interesting message, this young man in a white robe, that um, Jesus has risen. Oh, oh, wow. Good on you, whoever that was. <laughs> Full points. Easter egg or something for that. So, first Easter Sunday was not a time of joy, really. It was a time of confusion, fear and disbelief. Of course, it gradually gave way to joy. Um, we have a saying, expect the unexpected. Now, that's one of those things that sounds like it sort of doesn't make any sense at all, really. If you expect something, it's unexpected. It's, uh, it's not unexpected. Um, but it's actually a wise piece of advice. You know, things are going to happen in life. It means we don't anticipate them, which take us by surprise. So it's helpful to have a general attitude that we're ready and accept things when they are different to what we expect, rather than denying them or being overwhelmed by them. And the problem that the disciples of Jesus had with his resurrection before it happened, according to the angel, was that they didn't expect this unexpected thing. It was unexpected for them, but they should have expected this thing to happen because Jesus actually told them that it would. And so the angel says to the women, but go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Jesus, he says, had told them that he was going to die and that he was going to rise again from the dead. And so it shouldn't have been a surprise for them, but it was. They didn't expect the resurrection. They didn't understand it when it happened. They hadn't, they hadn't got it into their mind yet what this was going to be. And because of that, it made them afraid. And so the story of Easter Sunday in Mark's Gospel, which we read, it ends, and that's how, um, depending on how you read the Gospel, that's how the Gospel of Mark actually ends, is them going out and not really knowing what to do or to say. It's a kind of cliffhanger ending to this story. And it's still, I think though, we're like those people in many ways, you know, when we contemplate this event, the resurrection of Jesus. It's still hard for us today to grapple with the resurrection of Jesus and what it means for us. Because... The resurrection is an event, it's really outside the normal expectations that we have about how the world's going to work. It's something we can't kind of assimilate into history as usual, another event. It's not part of our normal experience and our normal lives. And so that's why for those who first encountered the resurrection, um, after they got over their confusion and fear and saw Jesus and started to understand and they processed what had happened, they were actually radically changed by this event. Uh, the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead changed their whole view of the world. And then we can see that as we go through the New Testament. And we know from what the apostles said and what they did that the resurrection for them became a, a basis for a whole new way of seeing the world. And the, the meaning of the world that the early Christians saw was completely different to those around them. And so one of the things it meant was that things that would have been considered kind of unchangeable pillars of just the world as it is were able to be questioned. So things like death, things like sickness, things like slavery, things like military empires, oppression, and also things like the entrenchedness of our own sin and failures. All of those things, in a sense, human beings have always accepted, they're going to be around, we need to work around them, we need to deal with them. Um, you know, but by the resurrection of Jesus, it kind of shook everything up. And the disciples will see, actually, all these things that we thought were never going to change are actually only temporary things, things that are relative in, the plan, in God's plan. 
Because if Jesus came back from the dead, then all these powers that have their grip on the human race are only temporary things that have been defeated. And that's, if you read the story of the church, that's the hidden kind of energy underneath the spread of the church throughout the world, this change in their understanding of the world itself. And so the significance of the resurrection then, and Easter Sunday today, is that I think it represents a radical change of direction in history that began at that point. So in many ways, the resurrection of Jesus is like a sword. It kind of cuts history in two parts. So on the one side of it is the old ways, you know, death, sin, things of the past that have held on to the human race. And on the other side is a new life, a freedom, and the future of God's kingdom in the world at work. And we're meant to see this has actually really changed things. And the resurrection is start of the, a start of a kind of new path for humanity, which Jesus is headed out on. Not an easy path. We talked about, we've talked about following Jesus by taking up our cross, and that's part of it. So it's the path after the resurrection is a path with its own pain, but it's a path upward nonetheless. Jesus is up saying there's a new future coming, which he is now taking part in. It's a path for us to walk after Jesus. Just to understand this a bit more, uh, just, a, just a picture for you. Um, there's a mountain near the east coast of New South Wales, which you may have heard of. This is called Mount Warning. Anyone familiar with this place? Yeah. Does anyone know what's, what's special about it? Well, it's a special place because the, the peak of Mount Warning at the top there is the very place, the very first place on the Australian mainland to receive the light of the rising sun in the morning. Okay? So that's why people often go up there on New Year's Eve to see in the new year. Uh, to be the first people in Australia to see the new, new year come. Um, and for Christians, I think the resurrection of Jesus is like, in a sense, this sun hitting the peak of Mount Warning at the beginning of the new day. So the Bible says we've been down in the dark, you know, and we're our best, the best thing we can do is kind of flail around trying to figure out where we are and what we should do. Um, but the resurrection of Jesus has shown us there is a new day dawning. It's coming. Uh, and the new era, the presence of God is going to enter the world in a new way. And so Jesus is kind of the peak of that mountain, the first to see it and the first to show this new way of life and life. Um, but he invites all of us to follow him, to live in that light and to wait for its come in the fullness. And what this means is that for us too, you know, there is a new force operating in the world. The spirit of God is giving life to us and can conquer sin and death in our lives too. And practically speaking, for example, it gives a new strength to our ability to hope as we go through life. So, you know, life isn't easy and it gets more difficult often as we go on. Um, and it does come to an end. And so that can make hope difficult for us, what's on the other side. But the, the resurrection says, well, actually, no, that's not the end. There is another way. There is another life coming. And on the other side of death, there is a new life and that life can begin even now, as Jesus has shown us. God is, is raising him from the dead. And that's the promise of the resurrection of Jesus for us. We may be down in the dark for the moment, but we've seen Jesus. He's up on the mountain there. The new life is coming, and he's the light for us there. Jesus went through death and came out the other side. And so in that way, this is why we call it the good news. The resurrection of Jesus is the good news of what God has done. And it's the best news that we've ever heard. Um, and all the other stories of our lives get a, can get a new perspective in the light of this new story. So we're coming now to the close of our Easter season. You know, we've had Lent for those who've been reflecting on the coming of Jesus. We had Good Friday the other day, thinking about the cross and Easter Sunday today. And Easter really, I think, is defined by these two things, the cross of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. 
as Jerome said, these are the most important things for Christian people as our, in our faith, the central symbols. And why are those two things of first importance? Well, the death of Jesus on the cross, it tells us about God's love and his giving of himself for us, his desire to forgive our sins and to give us a new life, to deal with the unfaithfulness of humanity to the purpose for which God made us. Jesus died to save us from that. That's been dealt with. And the resurrection of Jesus then shows that Jesus has succeeded in that purpose. And it begins the idea there's a new age of hope and looking forward to God's kingdom coming in our lives now and in the, and in the ages to come. And so on the basis of his resurrection, this is why we call Jesus the Christ, because it's shown that he is, the, which means the anointed one, the king. And the resurrection of Jesus is shown he's the king of this new world. And so the resurrection, the cross and the resurrection, these two things together tell you that Jesus is God's king for the world and he has saved us from our sins and given us a new life. That's the message of Easter. The symbol of the cross, which we see in many places around the church, it reminds us of that. Um, unfortunately, there's not a symbol for the resurrection as there is for the cross, but we can take it that the cross is empty now. The cross, is not, the cross is finished and the work that it's done has been completed. That's the symbol of the resurrection for us. Jesus is alive. So wherever we are today, however dark it is, however confused we might be about what's going on and where we're going, the, the resurrection says, well, there's a new light coming. And when the sun comes up, as we know, the nighttime fears go away. The tent becomes a tent again. Um, and the low-key angel in Mark, he says it very well for us, I think. He says, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.